0: Hi everyone, I'm Arlene Dickinson. Thanks for joining me on my podcast. It's absolutely critical that we support small business in Canada, and I am proud of my partnership with TELUS, who always puts owners first. This October, TELUS is celebrating Small Business Month by supporting owners with special savings. Get the latest tech to help transform your business with limited time offers. Visit telus.com smallbusinessmonth to learn more. Let's all support small business and continue to stand with owners.
1: Hello everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Reinvention. Today, our lean chats with Paul Lengua of the Tragically Hip, or as some like to call them, The Hip. Paul speaks on life before touring the world and releasing 13 studio albums, and even shares a story on how Gore Downey prevented him from moving to the U.S., persuading him to join the band instead. Ahead of the third anniversary of Gord's death, Paul also opens up to Arlene on the impact of his bandmate's passing and how he and the others no longer have a desire to make music without him. Through the personal and musical journey he has been able to lead, Paul provides those looking to reinvent with sage advice. Look for it, wait for it, and work for it.
0: I'm talking to Paul Langlois, who is... Wanna, like I don't know, Paul. Do you call yourself a member of the Tragically Hip now, still, or is that still how you're being recognized, or how do you how do you um, introduce yourself these days?
2: Uh, yeah, it's tricky. I mean, I wouldn't uh, say that unless I'm doing like an R- a radio ID or something. You know, hi, right. it's Paul from the Hip. Um, so from the Hip seems to take a little bit of. Uh, confusion out of, out of you know i play with the tragically hip well i don't anymore so i yeah. don't say that but i i can say yeah i'm, I'm paul from the tragically hip uh, we still um you know have zoom calls and we still have ongoing business we're not making music together anymore but we're still friends and we've come around to um supporting each other and Gord's brother pat uh Mostly, um, sometimes his older brother Mike is involved too, and just represents uh, uh, Gord and his uh, his family's interest um, in our business. And um, so we're still fairly we're we're fairly regularly in contact. Um, but I don't play with the Tragically Up anymore. That was the, that's in the past.
0: Yeah. When, I mean, we're coming up to the third anniversary of uh, the passing of, of Gore Downey and, and it, it actually just struck me because I remember the the um, tribute concert that was played and, and the watching that show and, and being so touched by it. And I actually had seen um, the hit play at a small barn for New Farm when New Farm did their fundraiser. I don't know. Oh, yeah. You were, yeah, you remember that? Yeah. Um, yeah, Absolutely. so... A truly intimate concert. It was just, uh, it was just what was there maybe 150 people there max, and uh, mm-hmm. that small little beautiful barn in the middle of uh, just outside of creammore Ontario, and watching you guys on the stage. And and uh, I, I actually, you you auctioned a guitar. Do you remember signing? Uh, you might not remember this, but I remember this. You auctioned a guitar off, and I ended up buying it.
2: <laughs> Did you get it really? Yeah, with with uh, all of no. your signatures. Oh, that's that's great. I didn't know you were there. I didn't see you. Um, yeah,
0: I was like literally right at the like. I was like, it, funny story, just quick funny story. I took uh, a very good uh, two friends of mine who live up north uh, in Ontario. Who uh, and he is just such a huge, huge fan of the hip. He plays guitar himself and loves the hip. And he he and so I I got tickets to this. Didn't didn't really share too much about you know who was going to be there playing. But uh, Jillian, who who runs the uh, fundraiser, had shared it with me and, and so and I told him he was he was almost vibrating the entire time and when we got there just before you guys had to go on I had to go to the bathroom it was a small small barn beautifully yep. lit with like Christmas lights everywhere in the middle That's of beautiful. summer and uh and uh and we're kind of at the front because we've made our way to the front because he's such an enormous fan and we're and we're standing there and I say I have to pee and he looks at me and goes you're you're kidding me right <laughs> I say, no and he said and I said hold our spot so me and his wife and 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 uh because she had to go to the bathroom as well and and he just looked at us and said i okay (laughs) like as if he could hold our spot like you know like a small little place like that everybody just crowds in and so we (laughs) we ran out to the bathroom ran back and and got in just as you were starting And, and it was such a memorable night and when the guitar came up for auction I bought it because I thought, you know, it was just such a night that I, 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 I was so close to watching you guys on stage. And it was, it was memorable to me to watch Gord perform and to, to watch all of you perform. And, um, and then that's kind of the last moment that I, you know, think about when I think about the hip and I think about Gord. And as three years later and after he's passed, I'm kind of curious how you feel about whether or not, you know, kind of what's transpired in your life. And maybe let's start with the hip and then go backwards because there's so much of your life I want to learn about. So I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I do would like to know how you feel about, you know, reinventing yourself after, after uh, Gord's passing.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, just to touch on the new farm thing, um, the, um, Brent and Gillian, um, Preston Brent is uh, the brother of my brother-in-law. Um, my brother-in-law Mike Preston is married to my littlest sister, Sue. And um so it was extra special um, for me to just be there and see this event, which I'd heard about. And they held the event for um a number of years. They had to do it virtually this this year, obviously, but um Gore Downey played that event um like as a solo act three years before that, and um so it was very special for me just because their family, Brett and Gillian. And, um, you know, I loved his book, The New Farm. Wasn't it
0: I, the best book? <laughs> the best I, I
2: loved it. You know, I felt <laughs> uh, I would say this to Brett, I think I already did, but I felt obligated to read it because he's the brother of my brother in law. So I know them, you know, fairly well. He's coming out with a book, and I'm just like, oh, God, I got to read. It's <laughs> going we to be go. so dry. Here we're going to read about a the new farm okay
1: he's
0: gonna ask I, me about it I'm gonna to have to see i read it
2: <laughs> well it was a page turner for me i mean i learned so much and it was just such a well-told story i highly recommend that book and um they just have a beautiful thing going there and that was a uh, everyone in the band knew that too at the time because gord had played it uh uh three years earlier and we talked about it and they know uh he's my brother-in-law's brother and um Gillian's such a sweetheart. Anyway, it was a special night for us. So I'm glad that you mentioned that show because I, I look fondly back at that. Um, and you know, uh, and with Gord, you know, I, I went, we all went through a lot with Gord and um, his illness. and um, You know, that was, uh, I just learned so much. I ended up uh, moving in with him, he and his brother. Uh, for about the eight months before the last tour just to try and get him in shape and really help his brother Pat out but also Gordon it was very I've never been so present in my life and my wife Joanne would come up whenever she could depending on what our kids were doing but they're both university age at the time so it was a little easier to get away and um, Anyway, um it was it was a gift and he was just so uh dignified and and um he never complained once even though he was really sick and then to see them to see him do the tour well you know it was just amazing what he did he, he lucky enough that was the strongest most kind of cognitively aware he was was during that um few weeks so you know, uh, it just, everything changed. I hadn't been through that kind of, um, loss before, luckily enough. Um, and none of us in the band, you know, we kind of really went into a two, probably full two year period of just being kind of brick walls and not really talking much, um, which is fine. Everyone just dealing with it, but their own, you know, um, friends and family but um not really communicating too much with each other and 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 now we are like i would say for the last year or so and and it's much better we're you know we're not a playing band anymore and that's that's a unanimous um easy decision you know we lost gordon we can't we don't we're not interested in doing anything without him but you know we still have a studio and you know, wine and, and, you know, various things going on. And, um, and it's just nice to talk because, um, you know, we're a good classic, typical men and, you know, the, the intimate conversations don't happen because no one asks anyone any questions really. And, um, but it, so it's been good to just sort of all of us just to, either reminisce because we're digging through stuff these days and um, trying to find all the stuff we recorded and, but to reminisce about Gordon and have all of us just be on the same page of, of, you know, being very free to admit we, we miss him and we love him.
0: Yeah. I can, you know, I mean, interesting to me, grief is, grief is something we don't talk enough about. We don't talk enough about, you know, um, death and, and, and the impact it has. Mm Hmm. Yeah.
2: yeah, it's really um and you can't control it. Uh, that's that's what um that's uh, that was it can be overwhelming and but it can be you know sometimes it, it allows you to be happy about having known somebody and having been lucky enough to um you know I would say especially me with Gord um you know, we're best friends, and um, he's the reason I got in the band. Um,
0: yeah.
2: Um, How old you were know, you so him? I was uh, I was twenty-one, maybe twenty, either twenty or twenty-one, and I I joined about a year after they had started, and um, you know I was going to move away um, and try my luck in Nashville, and which was really a pipe dream. I would have I would have been. Killed down there, I'm sure.
0: I doubt Wouldn't
2: it. <laughs> be, but I wanted, I wanted to try, see if I could make it as a songwriter, and um, and he didn't like that, and he asked the other guys, "Hey, we should get Paul to join." And um, so he kind of made my life, um, and certainly career-wise, because it was my first and only band, and um, and so you know. Uh, He didn't hang it over my head or anything ever, you know, but um, I I was always grateful about that. And, and uh, yeah, so it's, uh, but yes, grief, sorry, is, is um, I've only learned, you know, I got all between my wife and I, we have six parents. I have two and she has four and um, I haven't lost anybody. I've been so lucky, but to lose uh, someone like Gord and, and to watch it, you know, I went to all the treatments and it was very aggressive, cancer and um and so he was in bad shape a lot. And this is before the tour. I mean, it's amazing his will and drive. And I just learned so much, was very present, and it was just a gift to me, and it was a gift to him. Um and he was very expressive about that. So um, but yeah, grief is a is a massive thing that you just gotta you know, ride along. I don't know. I mean, I don't really I I wouldn't pretend to try and give anyone advice, but um, you're lucky to have known if you're grieving somebody, well, okay, you're lucky. So any moment you can grab to tell yourself that.
0: Yeah, that's, Uh, um, I I think I mentioned this on another podcast, but I was listening um, and it's it's worth repeating. I was was listening to somebody, I think they were a Buddhist um, faith and they were talking about how when you die, if you can talk about, um, instead of being sad or somebody dies instead of being sad being thankful you, you flip the whole notion of you know like what life means
2: mm-hmm. yeah yeah you do it's it's, um, it's hard to understand but uh, I really uh, I admire people that understand it and I actually admire people that come through it because yeah. it's it's no easy feat um, but I think there is some learning um at least that gets that uh, gets done.
0: Yeah, it's interesting when you talk about you know like that event and just bringing us both back to the, that for a second. And I think about watching you guys play. What struck me, you know, because I was so close to you and, and, and the, it was such a small, intimate setting, as I said. That what struck me was the joy that you could feel. You know, the joy of of you playing, like all of you, like it was. It's um, making me emotional.
2: Oh, well, that's Sorry. okay. I know you're going through um, a good friend going through this stuff. Yeah. Well, that's what it's about, Joey. You know, and that's what it was about for us. We 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 got lucky, we had the right combination of people. We were confident, we were like uh we knew we knew we were good. But we we not not like in a sort of flashy way, we just knew we were good together. And so we, maybe there was nerves but there was just such a confidence and the whole day you know when you're in a band or maybe you're an actor um in a play or you're doing a broadcast or whatever that whole day and night is about that moment and uh those moments yeah. and we were lucky enough to be great friends you know we grew up together with we feel like we're doing the right thing we're just happy and of course you know it's it's easy to have a good time when there's a crowd dancing along and liking it and um so i, I treasure those moments you know i get asked um my wife mostly like you must really miss that and i guess i do but i, I guess i just i'm more um influenced and uh, I more have the feeling that I just was lucky to to be there and to do it,
0: yeah, to be grateful for the experience of it i I think the same thing like there is a uh you know I, I mean certainly don't have what you have in terms of you know the the energy and electricity that comes from performing on stage all the time, but having given a lot of speeches and and being in public in the public eye i do there's an energy and a and a thankfulness that you walk away feeling grateful that you can actually do something for the people in the audience and that you can share this. Moment together where you're you're thinking the same thoughts, or you're enjoying the same music, or you're you know you're having the same um, experience. And and that world has changed so much. I mean, speaking of reinvention, if you think about what's going on with any performance now, it's it's over. You know, it's over Zoom, and people are in their home enjoying your music now. So do you think? But it's more that's actually very intimate. I mean, if you think about it, you know, people are in their home, they're relaxed, they're they're in a place they're comfortable, and they're listening to you. You know, you play. Is that, it's a different thing. I mean, you don't get the same energy back, I suppose, but it must also feel kind of good to be able to deliver music out to the.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, you're right. It's different. Um, it it kind of is a bit more intimate, you know, when it all hit the fan and, um, you know, for the first number of weeks, I would say maybe for the first three months into mid-June, you know, I was just getting requests to do a song for a school to do a little, and I'm sure the same as you, like, hey, good luck, grads. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is to this high school or a school board or whatever. And, you know, you got to sort of get up and, for it. And um, um, But there was a nice and, and, you know, doing like little interviews or something, there, there is a different sort of intimacy to it. You know, uh, it just has to be trust. I did these porch um, songs and I dragged uh, my wife, Joanne, and my two kids, I Emma and Soph, out to the porch with me. And it wasn't my thing. It was a couple other people had sort of said, hey, let's all sing Courage. This is early on, like probably it, it, March wasn't on. Um, you know, uh, I didn't think anyone would watch, but quite a few people watched. And then I started doing it semi-regularly. And I just kind of had to picture all the people out there, though there were like a small gathering of people out in our front porch, um, which helped because, you know, it helps when you see people. <laughs> so anyway,
0: true. That's true. Uh,
2: yeah, so it just, uh, it, it very much changed. I mean, I, it's, it's not as who knows, I, you know, I hope we're not going into another second wave shutdown or whatever, but um, it's calmed down the zoom world. Um, but uh, yeah, it's certainly um, for, for all artists and musicians and well, everybody, you know, in, in um, all sort of different career fields, um, Things have really changed, so I mean, your podcast is is named uh, aptly. You know, it's like reinvention. Everyone has had to do that, you know. It's it's
0: we've all had to. Well, we've all had to pause and think. You know, you had those months with Gord where he was sick and you were going with him to treatments, and I and I and I I, I'm assuming that that was a giant pause in your life. As you said, you were never being more present, right? And I think that's happened in some respects to all of us that were home. We're thinking about, we were talking before we started recording about how this is a moment that people are actually all returning home, that they're all going back to their homes and they're not traveling as much. And we're kind of refocused and recentering ourselves. And 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 while people say, well, I'm so nervous or anxious that I can't reinvent myself, I think we all are in our own minds revisiting who we are and what we've been through and how our experiences are actually guiding us into what we want to be in the future and what we want for the world in the future. And and that's one of the things that I think your songwriting has done um, because a lot of the songs um, you know, and a lot of the music that you played, whether it was through the hip or on your own, um, I find the storytelling to be super compelling because it makes you think, makes you think about what matters. And it was that intentional or was that just, that was that style like to, to be so storytelling in, in its approach or, to, you know, why, why uh, did you go down that road?
2: It was Gord, but it was Gord being influenced by the people around him, And we were the people around him because we really constantly toured. We were just on the road always. And we were always playing like this is for the first half of our career. And, yeah. um, so, you know, I think places, um, really started to, you know, affect all of us where places we recorded places, obviously the places we play, um, in Canada, you know, it wasn't like, um, it was never like yay, yeah, Canada, um, there was always a bit of a darkness like there is in Canada. You know, I mean, it's a beautiful country. There's great people. It's, you know, we're very lucky not to be um, living in the country underneath, um, obviously. But it always kind of bugged Gord, you know, and it just, that was just his thing. It just bugged him that all these people are up north, you know, and had a lettuce is 25 bucks and, you know, just like there's no, you know they're just kind of stuck in the winter they want to be there but it's it's you know it just always bothered them so that seeped into obviously a solo work um they did at the end secret path but um it was always kind of there you know we always loved Canada but you know like we play London England or whatever you know often anywhere in San Francisco and maybe a Canadian flag's out. So that's fine. But, um, we didn't want to have a Canada party. We were interested in just, um, we appreciated the support. And I think, um, you know, when he kind of became the main lyric writer, which was fairly early on, uh, I think he just worked on it really hard and really wanted to make compelling things, you know, um, you know, obviously you read a lot. I mean, it's hard to say where you can grab a song. It's parts it, come to you and um, it's not like you can just, you know, take out a piece of paper and say, "Well, wow, you know, I'm running down the road. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, it's just there are little inspiration, inspirational ideas that hit you. And he just always had a notepad and would write it down if it if it happened, even if you're in the middle of something. So he was just good at it, I think. And, and, um, we were good at, um, once there was, uh, we, you know, there was a lot of musical ideas in the band. We just went around circle.
0: Are you still writing?
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've done two solo records, but it's been a while now, like 2011, 2013. So seven years since, um, since not guilty. Um, and I was sort of writing a little bit, but then, you know, then I kind of stopped. We were still in the band and then Gord got sick. And since Gord died, um, I really was almost afraid to write. I just didn't, you know, okay, what am I going to write about Gord, you know, to myself, you know, just to my right. head. And anyway, so I did go in the studio. Um, I think I mentioned we have a studio in uh, outside of Kingston called the bath house. Uh, It's in the town of bath, which is uh, about a half hour towards Toronto. So two hours uh, east of Toronto and uh, just a half hour from downtown Kingston here. Um, So I went out and I was just like really down on myself because I was like, I don't have any ideas here. And it was just me and the engineer and his name's Niles. And I said, Niles just, you got to give me an hour or two in the kitchen here. And yeah, I I was able because it was a deadline, you know, it's much easier to write for a deadline. And um, I was able to come up with a couple, three songs just right there. And of course, you know, the first one was about Gord. It was just like exactly what I was telling myself, don't do that. (laughs) But it was just like, you just, you can't write about anything but feeling, or at least I can't. Right. So, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm actively writing. I have many people in my life that are trying to really get me to write. Some bother me. Um, <laughs> I had a practice last night with uh, there's, I have three good friends here in Kingston uh, and we're called the Campfire Liars Club. And we had a socially distant outdoor practice last night. and um, You know, those three guys get on me a bit. And you know, especially a guy named Greg Ball, who's like, "So, have you written anything? Let's hear it." And I'm like, "Nah, I haven't written anything." And he doesn't. He he's being nice about it, but um, it seems to be bothering people around me that I'm taking more of a pause than they want me to. <laughs> but I'll get back at it.
0: You will. You don't feel like you're at, you're at a different stage in your life that you want to. Like maybe it's maybe this is part of a next reinvention for you. Like, I, I mean, I I, sh- I sure hope you continue to write and, and play. Obviously, but is there something else that you've been thinking about in your time that your downtime as you've been?
2: Well, I would say that's pretty perceptive what you just said because um, I kind of walk around and in my mind I'm thinking, okay, well the hip was behind this. It was it wasn't just a little thing. It was 32 years. Yeah. Together, so it wasn't just like a little run. 32 years. And so, okay, so now that's over. So now I guess, what do I do? I mean, I go to the cottage and, you know, golf a little bit curl in the winter. Maybe this is good for me. You know, maybe this is enough. And I know, uh, deeper down that that's not true. You know, I can, I can write songs. I know I can do it. Um, so there's sort of an obligation. I'm not going to do it in like that where put out a record every year or whatever, but I do feel like I'll do it again. But I, I, I just, um, right now I'm in the resistance phase where I'll sit down with a guitar. I like playing, uh, um, and maybe, you know, get little ideas. And so I just record the little ideas and, um, and then listen to them sometimes and think, okay, well, maybe you could do it again. Cause when I did my first solo record, um, that was a big thing for me. You know, I'm not uh, overly outgoing. And um, after I did it and I was happy with it, it's called fix his head. Um, it fixed my head. You know, I, I, it was a monkey off my back. I was like, okay, you, you did it. And I felt the relief ever since, you know, there really? um, was a total relief that I finally did it. It didn't matter how it did or what it did. Wasn't really even looking for that, but the, the fact that I did it. So, you know, I've done it twice and it's a bunch of years ago, but um, I do feel like I'll do it again. I'm just yeah. not today.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, and I think that's the that's kind of the. Maybe that's the magic and the beauty of of thinking about our lives is that we, we can, we give ourselves like this urgency that we have to do things right away and that we have to move quickly in order to move ahead and that we have to always be, you know, on the go towards something. And I think sometimes what we really need to do is allow ourselves that moment to consider kind of what it is we want from ourselves, but not put so much pressure on ourselves to reinvent or change or or refocus ourselves that we end up I don't know just end up hurrying through the process for the sake of hurrying through the process because usually it's because somebody else expects something of us I mean I find it interesting that your friends are pushing you right and and Mm -hmm. and that actually could be good and bad right in some ways it, it it can either put up a you know resistance or you can go it makes it lodges in your head and you go yeah I really need to I really should so it's and yeah. encouraging, encouraging, but it's also sometimes like, okay, guys, shut up, I'll <laughs> this what I want to right
2: no, that's exactly it, and it's mostly fun, you know it's it's uh, mostly fun, but um you know, I'll throw things like you know on our text thread, I'm done with music, and they don't like that at all, <laughs> and I'm just kidding <laughs> it's just like, you know um, so yeah no, it's good, I mean your friends and your family in, in life. Um you know, if you're lucky enough, they're are big influences on you, you know, and they say things and it sticks with you and you either think, Oh, that bugs me or you think, you yeah, know, yeah, they're probably right. And um so yeah, I'm I'm lucky um that way. There's there's plenty of encouragement in my life. But then it, you know, then it's left to you, you know, or it's left to me. Am I gonna do it or not? So I, I prefer I'll just chip away little, little by little.
0: I, I, I want to ask you a, a, just a bit of a different question. Cause I, I'm thinking about your wife and your kids. You've got two kids, right? Yeah,
2: two, yeah, in two their girls. Yeah. Two
0: girls in the twenties, um, and your wife that you've been married to for, for quite a while, right? And how long, long you married? Time, yeah. yeah.
2: Thirty so, years. Jim. Thirty
0: years. All right. So you've got and I don't know what it's like to be the wife of, or the children of, a rock star, like a true, a true, genuine Canadian icon, the way you are. But I can imagine <laughs> that they don't see you as Paul from the Hip or Paul from, you know, your your own your own um, albums that you've done. They mm-hmm. see you as dad and husband. What do they do? Where, where's the pressure from them around, you know, like what you're doing now, which is not really, you know, you're not really engaged in anything every day. What, where's, where's the pressure coming from from them, and what do they think their dad and their and, and as a husband you should be doing?
2: Well, I mean, uh, uh, no, I've I've never been uh, treated like a rock star around this. <laughs>
0: exactly. Um, That's reality. I, they bring I, you down to reality. Yeah.
2: I try and remind them how so very lucky they are.
0: Um, <laughs> I, do you know who I am? Like, <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, I, um, I just did the, the back to the porch thing just for a minute I was like are you guys going to come out and sing and they were like what <laughs> I'm like well it would be easier if we were a kind of a group you know and we could just as a group sing along I don't sing these songs Gord sang these songs as I was doing um, the odd hip tune and that would probably be you know really the only thing they've had to go through even though I think they did enjoy it in the end. Otherwise, uh, no, my kids never brought it up in uh, school. Someone else, you know, if someone found out, it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's right, he is. But um, they just would make a point of not bringing it up. But, um, you know, and it wasn't easy on Joanne. Um, We were gone a lot, as, as I mentioned, you know, for the first... I mean, I got lucky in that when our kids were being born 95 and 99 we were just starting to tour less say in around 2000 like a little less um so that was lucky because i got to be around a little more but no i mean i was certainly away a lot and that was difficult for joanne it was difficult for the kids and it was difficult for me it was difficult for all of us we all had kids and um to leave them and to just feel that you know whatever it is guilt and um missing them and that kind of stuff. So it's not an easy life um, for the family of uh, a traveling musician, a traveling band, it's not um, easy, but there were so many um, things that kind of, you know, that made up for it and so many exciting times. We were lucky enough to just have exciting tours and shows and get real chances to, um, you know, bring the kids on a trip. Uh, for a few gigs, you know, um, bring your wife for a few gigs, and um, just have a lot of good, fun moments, you know. And um, we're just very lucky all around, and um, in particular in this house, um, uh, very lucky.
0: Uh, well, I, 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 I am. There's so many. And I'm trying to think of how to characterize what I want to say about Canada, and not you didn't move to the U.S. I mean, you wanted to very early in your career go to Nashville, but you didn't make that move outside of Kingston. To you know, you didn't you didn't try and go to. I don't know. You did you ever think, well, I should be in Toronto, or I should be in Vancouver, or I should be in Montreal, or somewhere bigger? You, you did it from where you were, which I really respect, because I think talent can come from anywhere. And this notion that you have to be in a specific place in order to create, you know, great music or great art or great creative or, or, or anything where you can, or great innovation really is this, I think it's one of the biggest lies that's propagated out there because, Mm -hmm. because talent is talent. It doesn't matter where it lives. Um, Mm -hmm. Did you agree that? Like, why didn't you go? Why did the hip not move to the States? Because that wouldn't that have been the obvious thing to, Oh, you have to go to the U S to make it big. I mean, you, instead you became Canada's band.
2: Well, I mean, I agree with everything you said and, and, and we would have back then, um, you know, um, we were from Kingston. We all lived here and we just thought, okay, well let's travel. Um, but home is here. And, um, you don't have to live in Toronto, um, you don't have to move to Montreal. We toured all over the place and we and you know down in the states and you know that was that we our lives didn't change. I mean we had fun on the road, of course, um, but we had a serious gig, and we were playing usually six nights a week and of course, you know we um, because we were in a van and we had to drive ourselves and you know you play till two and you know especially in Canada you gotta you know you play Winnipeg and then you know whatever you're Regina the next night I mean it, that's not an easy life and so you have to sort of take it seriously and so whenever we were off everyone was very happy to come back here I mean Gord ended up moving to Toronto actually he and his girlfriend and Joanne and I um, at the time Uh, weren't married yet. Um, We moved to Toronto for a few years, but we were never, I mean, we had management based out of Toronto um, and still do, but everyone was kind of just like, we didn't need to, we felt like we'd come into Toronto, play and then leave. And it was almost better. Like we weren't, you know, we were just doing our thing and to go down. I mean, you know, if you think of Neil Young or Joni Mitchell, you know, they ended up in California. I mean, I can see that because The scene back then was there. And of course the weather's nice. Um, But we all just wanted to be, keep our normal lives. So we had a normal group of friends that were still our friends, even though we would go off on tour and then we'd come back and it was just normal. And life is very normal for me. Um, And really it was for all of us. I think it got a little much for Gord. And um, his wife was from Toronto, so He just, he fell in love with Toronto and he he stayed there. Um, And in Toronto, he would have access to more musicians, more friends that play music, um, which is great. But there's so many people that play music in every single town in this country and in the States that, you know, but it's just a natural thing. Most of my friends in Kingston are musicians, but they're working musicians or carpenters or, waitresses or bartenders or whatever but they they do music on the side and uh, because it they're compelled to they have to and um just because they need to get that their yah out and so yeah i mean i i think we're all um grateful that we got to do all that and stay normal and not be living in la and going to the Special parties and feeling empty. <laughs>
0: yeah, and, and and honestly, if you think about it, um, just when when I think about the impact the hip and and all of you have had in Canada, the the true impact. I mean, uh, in you know identifying as you said at the end, um, you know the 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 challenges with the Indigenous people and what's happening. Um, you know the plight of what's happening. Uh, up north. Um, but, but just the stories you've told, you know, Wheat Kings, all of the stories that have been told. I, I feel like if you had gone to America, we would have never had that deep tapestry and that deep kind of expression of our nation. And, and so that just, like, that just like that kind of stopped thinking, what if they'd gone? What if he'd gone to Nashville? And what if, what if, you know, what if they'd all moved down there? And what would the music have been? It wouldn't have been the same. Um, because you wouldn't have had the experiences of traveling in a van from Winnipeg to Regina. And when you say that, Paul, like all I can think about is because I've, I've done grueling road tours and I, it is exhausting. I can't imagine what you guys did. I can't even imagine how tired you must've been, especially as you age. Right. I mean, you're not 20 anymore. You're, you know, and you're on the stage and you're performing like, isn't it exhausting?
2: Well, I know you, um, obviously I'm I'm very aware that. Um, you've done this kind of thing, this uh, touring thing, and it is not easy. That's the first thing you learn. You know, if you have whatever, a friend come on the road for a couple of days, and they're like, "Wait a second, <laughs> we're leaving." Yeah, we're leaving. Yeah. We're leaving it too. We should get there about seven tomorrow. And you know, no, it's not easy, and and aging doesn't help. We could not have done this. What we did in our twenties. Like really for those, till we were all around 30, we were in a van driving ourselves, loading, unloading, long trips all over the States too, everywhere. A lot, a lot, a lot of miles. But then we got a tour bus and that really helped Yeah. because we finished the show, you get on the bus, listen to music, go to your bunk, sleep all night. Beautiful sleep. It's dark, cold, perfect. You got, you got blankets. You, you don't have to have it cold if you don't want. Um, pitch dark. You sleep until the morning. So, you know, that. Um, so, from our 30s to our 50s, it got easier. Touring got easier because only because of the bus, because you don't have to drive and you can actually relax and have fun. It's still, it was still grueling just the shows and the sound checks and the, you know, constant, because you're on the road. Once you're on the road, you want to work because there's nothing else to do. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's not as, uh, it's not as easy, I think, as it looks, you know, it, it, um, it's a lot of work and there's a lot of bands, artists out there, you know, right now they can't really tour, um, which is, very tough but um, we will get through this um, but any musician you look at um, uh, only because that's my perspective I know there's a lot of people out there that work very hard um, but um, any musician that is touring out there they're they're working hard it's not an easy life
0: when, when you look back at your life now at the you know your your middle age I guess is how they call it nowadays I don't know it's
2: that's what they call us <laughs>
0: whatever they call us you know we're getting older um yeah. but when you look at your life right now do you do you do you go back and think there were moments that you missed in reinvention or, or or reimagining yourself or do you feel like you've lived the life you were supposed to live like do you ever have those thoughts
2: i feel like i lived a life so far um i try not to feel like it's it was or has been a life that I don't deserve. I must have deserved it somehow, but I just, you know, very normal, happy childhood, three sisters, it's all women in my life, um, which I think has been very positive. You know, I have three sisters and we were all great and we all are still great and we just all happen to live in town. See them often, um, love them, and then wife, two daughters, two female cats. Both our daughters have female puppies. I mean, literally, <laughs> <it's women.
0: laughs> you're surrounded, man. You're surrounded.
2: I, I, uh, um, it's taught me a lot. They've they've all taught me a lot, and I think a lot of there's a lot of men out there that could have used a sister. In my experience, um, and um, Gord. Was heavily influenced by his sisters too, and anyway, so. Uh, but the life, you know, joining the band—the fact that that I'm in the hip or I was in the hip. Um, no, didn't see that coming. Uh, it didn't it? Couldn't. There would be nothing that could have gone any better. I mean, even if I became a hockey player, which I wasn't, obviously, nearly good enough to. <laughs> Just couldn't see it like I just can't think of anything that would have, would have, whatever could have gone better. And, um, so, uh, yeah, thanks for asking that because I'm gonna have a good day today. Just reminding myself, went pretty well.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't think we ask ourselves or say that to ourselves enough that we know that if we've lived a life, and especially a life that is, you know, can feel charmed, but you know what, I, I do want to leave that message here because. It may feel charmed, Paul, but you worked your butt off. Like you think about the the all the effort you put in, all the touring, all the songwriting, all the late nights, all the early mornings, all the stress of you know, and and probably all the early days of making no money on the Canadian scene and wondering how you were going to actually write.
2: Yeah. People
0: people look at you guys and go, "Oh, they're they, you know they they've made it." Well, I'll I'll tell you, you you made it the hard, hard, hard way. And, and in this country, I know for a fact that musicians aren't rewarded the same way as they are in, you know, in the U S or other places, but you did it out of love and passion, but you, I actually think what I think the most, when I think about you and the hip and, and is purpose, you had purpose in your life.
2: Yeah. I, I think you're right. That's well put. All of that. We uh, were lucky enough to be on the same page. We just, all wanted to do it and you know hey we might have given up if it really tanked but we had a lot of valleys we had a lot more valleys i think than people think um low times tough times always worked like and i'm talking emotional trying to be friends times too but we always worked and you're right it didn't really even Get into the recording, but we were either touring or recording and yeah. and we were working hard, so yeah, that is true, and that feels good and and it wasn't like like it was just five out of five. we were just like we just we were gonna do it, we just kept going for it and um, but there were a lot of struggles, so um, yeah, I mean. But I still feel, feel very lucky because we all wanted to do it. It wasn't like, oh, God, we got to go play. <laughs> Maybe the odd time. but I
0: <laughs> No, I hear you. But I, I, I think there's a, a great lesson there, too, because nothing great in our lives that we're grateful for. And there is luck always involved in everything when you're successful. I, I believe that. But nothing, does, nothing worthwhile that you can feel good about accomplishing doesn't come with hard work nothing I have you know I've had you know like if I won the lottery it would not be as rewarding as if I had worked hard to earn my money it just is that true Uh, for me it is at least and if you think about like you know I know I've taken lots of your time today but if there's if you had a message on just kind of thinking for the listeners of the podcast around reinvention or or just in life in general kind of how you're thinking about yourself and your future right now, what, what would you say?
2: Well, um, you just said, a uh, great mouthful there. Um, so because you took that, I would say, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I think you need to give yourself a break. I, I, I don't know why my mind goes to young people, but I guess it's because I'm a dad and, um, and an uncle and what, whatever. So, um, But I'm not like an advice giver. You know, I always tell the kids, I've never told the kids anything really, but um, I would say you need to give yourself a break. But you also, uh, as you touched on, um, you have to work. And if, if, if you, the best thing to do is find out what you want to do. Don't worry if you can't you're 24 and you don't know what you want to do. Don't worry, just work at whatever you're going to do. If there's going to be a left or a right coming up, some kind of thing, just look for it, but, um, work hard, enjoy your life and be happy. You you have to, I, I think it has to start with giving yourself a break and, and, and it really is the most important thing to, um, Don't be hedonistic. Just be happy. Just look for what it is. And you can find most or a lot of your happiness, um, certainly with love, you find happiness and friends and family and all that. But in your sort of career work life, you know, you can find happiness. You just got to sort of look for it, wait for it and work for it, you know. So I don't know. That's a very jumbled piece of advice.
0: <laughs> no, it's not. It's actually, I like that. Look for it, wait for it, and work for it. I, I, I think those are, keep your, keep your eyes open to the opportunity, you know, wait for it. Don't don't expect it to just happen and then work hard for it. I, I love that. I think that's actually some of the best advice I've heard in a long time. So those, that's, those are three really good things to live by. Paul, I really appreciate the time you gave me um, today. And and I, I I know I said I wouldn't, talk, but I do want to thank you. You, you did a song for uh, a friend of our family. Who's very, very old.
2: Yes. And I'm very sorry about that.
0: Yeah. Amy.
2: Yeah. Amy. Yeah. to Amy. Um, I'm honored to be asked to do your podcast and I was honored that you, well, and your daughter gave me the opportunity to do a song for Amy and um, yeah. So I wish her all the best and you too. I'm honored to be on your show. Do you call it a show? It's a show? Um, yeah, Pod- it's a show. It's a, yeah. show.
0: it's a podcast. I don't know what they call podcasts, but I'll tell you, I'm yeah. just getting so much out of it. I just had such an opportunity to talk to amazing, amazing people like yourself. And I. it's just been a blessing in my life to have these conversations. So thank you.
2: That's so cool. Well, it's been great talking to you. Stay safe. And I'm sure we will see each other in person at some point.
1: To lead a life in which you have no regrets or desire to change is the true definition of success. Like many who reach the highest pinnacles in their industries, Paul did not have a plan to be famous. He had only one goal in mind, to be the best he could be at his craft. That mindset paid off big time, taking him and the hip to the top, and can for anyone else who has the grit and determination to follow their purpose. If you find yourself lacking direction or have yet to find the purpose in your life, don't lose hope. Similar to how Paul's rise to fame came from following his passion and taking an offer from a friend, you can also find opportunity hiding in plain sight, waiting to be taken advantage of. Stay safe and stay human. Thanks for listening, everybody. This
0: podcast is made possible by the great folks at Venture Communications. Thanks to our engineers, writers, producers, and all the folks who work really hard to bring you these great stories of reinventions each and every week.